Hey, what's going on guys? It's the Nerd here and before we get into our regularly scheduled program, what I want to do is I want to give a little bit of props, a little bit of a, uh, hey, check these guys out plug to our friends of the Ruck Up Podcast and I'm going to F you up if you don't listen to the Ruck Up Podcast because these guys are amazing. They do everything and talk about everything from basically like law enforcement to uh, military stuff. These guys have experts on that will teach you things that I have no idea how to fucking do myself because these guys had a guy on recently where he basically taught people how to shoot a gun. Like, and, and how do you tell someone how to shoot a gun verbally over a podcast? I don't know, but this guy did it and I feel like I can go out there right now and shoot a squirrel bet- between the eyes as it's running 100 miles per hour through a hurricane, okay? Because I feel like I am that much of a man now. And these guys will teach you how to be a man too. And if you like the Voices of Misery podcast at podbean.com, you will love the Ruck Up podcast at podbean.com because these guys are phenomenal. I love everything about them. Hopefully one day I can be lucky enough to have them on our platform and talk to them about cool shit like shooting guns, starting fires. And and you know what? Like These guys can rub two sticks together and fucking have a, 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 a fire start and they can cook a whole Thanksgiving dinner Basically off of two sticks and shit like that. These guys are pretty cool. I'm rambling on right now because I'm so fucking excited. The the nerdette is so excited. She couldn't even be here right now because she is reading and listening to the podcast right now as we're speaking. I want to get back to it as well because I love these guys. Ruck Up Podcast. Please check them out. They're really cool uh, podcasts and they're also sponsors of our show right now. This week, check out Ruck Up Podcast. We love them and they're awesome. Check them out later. At Ruck Up Podcast, we take a little bit of a different approach. We take industry professionals from law enforcement, military, security, and outdoors enthusiasts all around the world. And we hear their story. So let's hear it. Attack or infiltration or suspected infiltration. And we have to be ready to uh, read. Allegedly massacred by the, the crown prince. And I was there not to be with that. I arrived the day after. Check us out at our website at rockupmedia.com. Welcome back to the Voices Misery podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited because someone is on the show that's going to put me in my place when it comes to religion. You guys have heard <laughs> now. It's been, what, like 160-something-odd episodes, thousands of downloads later. And I've been doing nothing but running down religion. But this man, John Enright, is here to put me in my place and to teach me a little something-something. Who knows? I might even say my Hail Marys. I may even say a prayer before I go to bed tonight if this man has his way. How are you, Mr. Enright? Hey, there it is. What's going on, my man? You know what, man? It's it's just another day, and I asked for prayers today. So I bought a couple of, uh, of uh, Powerball tickets today, right? Okay, there you go. And I said, can you guys pray for me tonight? Because I want to win this money. If I say a prayer, it holds no weight. But if they do it, these are God's soldiers. Maybe I'll win this thing. Right. Well, you know, that goes into prosperity gospel, which I'm not a fan of. And uh, Joel Osteen type garbage. So, you know. I'm very <laughs> glad you mentioned Joel o- o- Osteen. How, how do you say is it? Is it Osteen? Is it Osteen? I like to call him con artist. Oh, yeah. No, jo- jo- uh, Joel con artist is the best way to pronounce it. But uh, I've always heard it, Olstein, as Joel Olstein is the way I've heard it. So before we jump into the religion and all this stuff, because there's a lot of questions. I have a lot of notes here. I have more notes for this show than I've probably had for any other show that I've done. And I've interviewed you know, a lot of different people. But this one, I have a lot of notes because this is something I'm, I'm very passionate about. Cool. Um, so, tell us, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us some of your background here. 
Okay. Um, so uh, I grew up in South Louisiana um, in a, a town called Lafayette. It's about 100,000 people in there. But it was great because it's a small town. And Lafayette is a, uh, it's a melting pot of culture, which was very cool growing up. So, yeah, most people are like, oh, you're from South Louisiana. Why don't you talk Cajun? Well, Michelle, I talk like that over there when you want Michelle. But um, normally, you've got people from Wyoming, Texas, Mississippi living in the city. So that's why I have kind of a normal sounding uh, accent. But uh, growing up, uh, my parents were big on us going to church. Uh, we weren't Catholic because that's the major religion in Louisiana was Catholicism. And so uh, I went to a Baptist church, went to Catholic school. So I had to learn a lot about why I believe what I believe at an early age. But also at the same, same time, I got an idea of, well, there's other religions. How do I learn about that? So I've always been a student of not just why well, I believe what I believe, but learning why do other people believe what they believe? So, um, you know, I've learned, I've read a lot about uh Islam, I've read a lot about Buddhism, all kinds of other religions, just because it's interesting to see there's actually a lot of similarities in religion, because uh, we're all just trying to figure out how to live on this earth. And, um, you know, there's some things that we can't explain, and how do we do that to the best of our ability? So uh, after graduating college, I went to seminary for a little while here in Fort Worth. And then I've been in Texas since 2002, and then I met my wife, and uh, we have a son. He just turned 14 on Sunday. And so, yeah, so I've done church work for about 20 years. I started right out of high school, uh, did some church work, and then basically have been doing that until maybe a few years ago. So so I've, I've got a little bit of experience with church and religion and stuff like that. Sounds like you got a hell of a lot to me. And may I add that you have a very beautiful family. You have a little Skype picture that popped up when I was calling it before we got hooked up here. And you have a very nice looking family, very handsome people. Well, we try, you know, I mean, it helps that my wife's a fitness instructor and nutritionist. So, you know, it makes oh. me have to well. You know, that kind of reminds me, like if you're married to a dentist, you don't want to smile around them because you feel like you're constantly getting judged. Have you ever picked up like a ding dong and your wife is like, put that down right now and do something? <laughs> well, well, I mean, that would be if there was a ding-dong in the house, which they're not. So, you know, that's that's the, 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 the drawback of it is, you know, there aren't sweets, which I'm kind of a sweet person. But she does a great job of doing other things like she's made uh, – she, she does like apple, like an apple pie filling type stuff that's just out of this world, cranberry sauce. So she makes her own version of sweets that are, you know, very, very good that I'm, I have no complaints with. So, you know. Can't argue with that. Well, does your wife practice religion as well or no? Yeah, no, that's that's part of. So when I when, when her when I so I didn't start dating until I was in college uh, because I knew going into a relationship that someone would have to be willing to put up with me being a minister. And, you know, there's a special calling for people to be a minister's wife because it's, you know, they've got to kind of help with the minister. And they, a lot of times we are, the spouse is the person we lean on to because everybody wants stuff from us, but they don't want us anything for us in return. They don't want to give back. They expect us to give and give and give, and there's nobody pouring into us. And so that's where the spouse comes in that can be very helpful. So that was her calling. So we've, we've been a team since we've been married. We've been married 15 years and uh, you know, uh, everything I do, it's with her in mind. Uh, we talk about a lot of things, and we 
we we do prayer together and stuff like that. So it's a big thing that we practice. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of similarities in what we see in our relationship and with uh, with how we do a, a life in general. Uh, what about your, your, your son? Your son's 14 years old now. When did you introduce him to religion? Uh, it's always been a part of our life because, like I said, I was always serving somewhere in a church or, or involved someplace. So uh, it's it, he's kind of grown up with it. You know, you call him the PK, the pastor's kid. Um, so he's always been in church in some way, shape or form. And uh, uh, he accepted Christ when he was about five or six, if I remember correctly. Um, he just on his own one day, I was working uh, with a church, but then also I was working part time at a community center in Texas that I was working at in, in the rec department. And he came up. My wife said, hey, Jacob wants to come up and talk. And he was in probably kindergarten, first grade. And I thought, OK, something bad happened at school because I wasn't there when he came home. And he came and he sat on my lap, he said, buddy, what's going on? And he said, Papa, I want Jesus to be my savior. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. So at the community center that I worked at, I, I sat right there. We prayed, and you know, he, we, I asked all the questions and see what he understood, and he got it. And then he got baptized a week or two later. And so it, it's always been a part of who he is as well, just because um, I didn't force feed him. It's just it was always part of who he was, and he just heard all the things, and that was what he wanted to do. It was his choice. I never said, "Hey, you need to come to know Jesus." It was, "Hey, if you do it, great. If you don't, whatever." So. Now, I, I like the fact that he came to you because I had a very different upbringing and my dad was was very into religion, man. He loved it. And he made me read. At first, it was the picture Bible. I don't know if you ever heard of that where it's, it's like a comic book. I love that. I had that growing up. It was great. It was unbelievable. I, I loved reading the stories. I, th I thought it was really cool because I'm a big comic guy, hence the name of the nerd, obviously. Um, and I read the actual Bible from cover to cover when I got older because he just he, he really hammered it home. And when I grew up, I was afraid. And that's why I believed in God. And I and, and, and I said the prayer, you know, except the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior and all that good stuff. Right. But I was afraid. I mean, like I went to bed horrified that if I did something wrong, I would go to hell and I would burn and forever and my soul would be screaming and you can never get out of this. And you just have to be a good person. Right. Is how would you, um, if if you had to like teach someone how to introduce a young person into religion, how how would you, you know, um, kind of coach them into doing so the right way and not scaring the shit out of them? Right. Well, so so for the last twenty years, I've been a children's and youth pastor. So this is kind of my jam. This is kind of my my area of expertise uh, is dealing with kids. And so you tell them the stories, you let them see the things, but you also talk about um, the goodness of God. You talk about the the things that he does for us. And a lot of people like to focus on the Old Testament because that's where all the crazy stuff is. Um, and the thing we want to tell them is, look, those are good stories. They're great places to learn and see what it was like when there was no hope. But now we have hope because Christ came and died on the cross and rose again three days later so that we could have access to God directly. We wouldn't have to do sacrifices. We wouldn't have to be on our P's and Q's. We don't have to be all perfect and everything because that's all done, all taken care of. So now it's just a matter of, hey, we want to try to live our best life. We're going to screw up. But because we have that salvation through Christ, it's all good. You don't, if you mess up, if you mess up, you acknowledge it, you try to learn from it, you try to do better, but you're not, you're not going to go. And it's just a matter of belief. You have to really, it's about faith and belief, really. It's not about how good you are. You know, uh, it's not about how, 
much you do because we're never going to meet that standard because God expects perfection because he's a perfect being. But yet he, he loved us so much. He gave away, he gave us a way to connect with him so that we don't have to be perfect, but can still connect. with him. And so those are the kind of things that we, I kind of teach um, and have written curriculum about and done some other things with to help kids understand and learn. And we have fun. We tell fun stories and, you know, the, the funny stories in the Bible, you know, every kid loves the talking donkey story, you know, all the <laughs> weird stuff in it, but to be able to just really um, connect with kids on their level and help them understand, Hey, this is God. We don't, we don't go into the crazy stuff. That's for when you get to be an adult, you know, you don't hang out in revelation because it's all allegory. You, you talk about the things that Christ did. You talk about the love the compassion that he showed for people and say, we want to try to be like this. We're going to screw up. We're going to fail, but we can do our best. We can try. And, and that's all we can do. And so those are the kind of ways that I go about it with kids and teaching them about Christianity. And it's, it's really about living a good life, but knowing, Hey, if you screw up, it's okay. Because if Jesus is your savior and you've accepted him, you're already good. You don't have to worry about the screw up. You're taken care of, you know? So. Okay. okay. Now I said this prayer when I was much younger before I had, I, I, I guess a head on my shoulders, you know, if, if, if that even comes out right to people listening, you know, I don't want to say that I was an idiot as a kid, but I was very impressionable. I was very young and this was kind of pushed upon me. I, I didn't find it for myself. Um, I actually had a conversation recently at my job with a person and, um, they were basically saying how I'm going to hell, even though I live a good life. And I'm like, well, I said that prayer years ago. And they said, well, it's not in your heart. You didn't believe it. And you came out of it. So let's just say hypothetically that I went back into this. Would I have to say the prayer again? Or am, am I already saved, even though I don't believe? How would God determine if I get in or not based off of how I feel internally and the fact that I said that prayer? Right. So so the the way I like to tell people is I can't I can't determine that for you. Um, I know that I'm, I believe what I believe I'm going, I know that Christ is my savior. And then they say, Hey, look, these are the fruits of our labor. So this is the things we kind of do to kind of change and show that we are growing in Christ. But at the end of the day, it's about if you truly believe. So if it, you did it, like I, I know lots of kids who, when we started, when we were in, when, in church, they went because of preacher came and you're going to go to hell and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I was just sitting in the pew like, whatever, I don't care, um, you know, because the scare tactics didn't work for me. Um, but the those kids who were just like, well, I'm going to do it because it's that emotion, that high, or even that pressure, you, it's become, well, was that real? Was that real for you? If it's not real for you, you're going to be like, well, you know, I, I did it, but I did it just, just to make sure. To me, that would be like, um, you're saying, well, I got a lottery ticket just to be sure, but I, I'm not going to win. You know, uh, it, it's it's you're, you're going in with that negative mindset of, well, I'm going to cover my bases, but it's not real because the next day you're still doing the same thing. You don't have that feeling, that connection. I mean, it's really hard because I've lived with faith for so long uh, since I was seven that, you know, I literally felt a difference when from that day forward to say, there is something different about my life and my connection with God from this day forward. And it has been, it's been a real thing for me. Whereas, you know, it doesn't mean I don't question 
doesn't mean I check my brain at the door. Uh, I, I love science. I love all kinds of stuff. I'm the person who yells at you sometimes when you're saying nerd stuff and you're not getting it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get it all wrong. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so you're, you talk about last podcast about how some people are yelling at me. I'm like, that's me. I'm yelling at you right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, I love all kinds of stuff and I love learning. So that doesn't mean you check your brain at the door either. You have to have some common sense. You have to have that idea of we're going to learn. We're going to take that idea but there's something different. We're going to have a different viewpoint from how we see things. And so that would be it. So I would say for you, it would be, if you feel like you need to say the prayer again, say the prayer again. If you, if you don't, I said that prayer, but I want to make some difference. You can do that. I've had people who said the prayer 50 times and they hear a message and this is the one that's going to connect them with God. And, you know, they do that and they rededicate their life as they say, you know, so it, it, it really is, a personal choice at the end of the day. I can't say that for you because I'm an imperfect being and I'm not one who's going to judge you for your choices and who you are. I'm just going to tell you, Hey, look, if you accepted Christ and you're following his steps, great. If you accepted Christ and you're not okay, well, you know, you do you, I just know where I'm at. So I'm not going to judge you for who you are. It's that personal choice for you that you have to take, make that determination. Excellent answer. Excellent answer. Now, let me um, get a little personal here with you real quick. All right. Just a little personal. I want to get, I want to get in that beautiful bald head of yours real fast. Yeah. So there's a very good movie um, entitled From Dust Till Dawn. And mm. Harvey Keitel played a pastor who lost his faith. Right. And there's this one line that stuck with me that George Clooney said to him. And he goes, um, I, and, and I don't know the line exactly as it is, but basically what he's saying is, you know, if you haven't sat in the room by yourself, I don't care how religious you are, you question, am I a fool for believing in this? Because you don't know 100%. And I've changed my stance personally over the years. Like, I, I used to consider myself the hardcore atheist. But then I'm like, you know what? I want to believe in something. But I, I just logically can't. And I've had these conversations with God himself or the idea of, of a God where I'll be sitting in a room by myself and I'm staring at, like, a pen on the table. I'm like, please just move this pen just a half inch, just give me a reason to believe. And, you know, the stories about God that you hear is he's an egotistical God and he wants to be believed in. Why do you have to like give your, your faith blindly? Why can't he give us an example or, or, or just come to us and say, Hey, look, I'm real. And then poof, disappear. I would believe for the rest of my life forever. Because that's not faith. see, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the beauty of it is you just got to trust. You got to have faith. Do you check your chair every time you sit in it? Um, no. Okay. Because you have faith that that fear is going to hold your weight every time. And, uh, so, you know, it, and I did this experiment in college once, uh, partially for a psychology class, but partially with our BCM too, uh, our campus ministry. Um, we had folding chairs that you could pull the pin just right and the chair would still set up. And then when people go sit in it, the chair would come out from under. And it was that idea. If you've seen something a billion times, you have faith in it. And it loses that that potency of the faith. Whereas, and we, we saw this in scripture where Jesus says, all right, Thomas, if you doubt so much, because he said, I don't believe unless I put my finger in the holes, uh, which is nasty, by the way. I don't know why Thomas said that. That's very sexual. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, it's just, but it, it was, he believed because, well, I could touch it. I could do it. That, that's real. And, and we see in scripture Christ say, 
hey, that's great that you got to see it and believe, but imagine how much greater it is that everyone doesn't see and believe. It, it's that idea of God came in, in, old, in the Old Testament supposedly as a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke, and the people saw it, and they, were, they marched around the desert with it, yet they still had trouble believing God when he said stuff. So how is it that you seeing God or seeing a movement of God or seeing, you know, hey, God, if you do this, how will that make it real if we have history of, of in, in Scripture of people seeing God, seeing him, and then going, okay, that was great, but uh, I don't really trust it. So it, it comes back to that idea of, you know what, just, you just got to have faith, you just got to have trust. And, you know, things are going to happen and you just, you're not going to be able to explain some of those things. Are they God? Are they not? I don't know. But I, I know that I have that relationship with them from the things I've seen in my life. See, my whole counter to that would be like, why doesn't stuff like that happen today? Like you see Moses parting the Red Seas and, you know, all these other miracles from the Bible. But that stuff doesn't happen anymore. It simply just doesn't happen. You don't see a man touching another man and he walks up off the ground after being like getting his back broken or the, these miracles that used to happen, you know, all these years ago. Do you think it's a case of a bunch of people that were just doing a lot of mushrooms because apparently drug use was pretty rampant back then? you think they thought they were seeing these things? Cause these people didn't even know what the hell the sun was. They didn't think it was ever going to come up again when it went down for the night and they woke up. Oh, it's back. Do you think right. the sun was got like, like what exactly like, like, why doesn't this stuff happen now? That's basically what I've been trying to figure out. Well, and that's a good question. I think I think it's a twofold answer. I think first, it was uh, you have to go like you said. They didn't understand certain things happening. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's weird because I I do know that miracles do happen. I've seen it. You know, I've had you know instances where doctors come in and like there is no effing way that should have happened. You know, I had a friend of mine. His mom went in for surgery because she had cancer on her spine. And, you know, I was there in the hospital room when it was happening. The doctor came in. He goes, that was the most, I have no explanation for it. He said, I opened her up to go to take out what little cancer I could. And when I did, the cancer just literally dissipated in front of my eyes. He says, I've never seen that. There's no medical explanation for it. The only thing I can know is some supernatural thing. What he said. Um, when my wife, who we, you know, she, she got Lyme's disease and it, it messed up with her reproductive system. The fact that she was on no medications or anything. Um, the fact that the doctor said, Hey, you have a miracle child for some reason, the fertilized egg went into the only spot in her uterus that could hold an egg. And that was it. She says that that is one in a million supernatural type thing. The doctors are saying People have gone to eight years of medical school, scientists, things like that. I, they do happen. I just don't think they're on the grand scale that we're like, oh, I need to see the parting of the seas or things like that. And two, I think some of these things are allegorical. I'm not saying everything in scripture 100 percent happen. You know, there's a lot of scripture that is historical that can be corroborated, that has a lot of uh, that the Bible is actually used as historical references for other things. And other things reference the Bible, and the Bible references other things. It's just a matter of, really, at the end of the day, what are we looking at? You know, if we see something that is a miracle, do we ascribe it as that? 
And I mean, I think that's the thing that we, we, we expect the big miracles and the big miracles are the, the things that are written, written in scripture, which I don't think, you know, you have to go, are they real? I don't know. Was there really a pillar of smoke and fire? Probably not. You know, it's allegorical probably. You know, everything in Revelation is just crazy. You know, John, John maybe got transported to the future and he's trying to describe tanks and airplanes and things at his best of a knowledge. So he's talking of dragons and other things. So, you know, I can't, I can't say everything in scripture is like, oh yeah, I'm going to take it hundred percent. I'm not one of these people that says the, the, Earth is three thousand years old, or whatever that garbage is, you know. Because we have science. Once again, I don't check my brain at the door. Well, what but, about this? Oh no, go ahead and finish your thought. Go, go, oh, no, please go ahead and finish because you're going somewhere good. Yeah, but you know, at the same time, you know, we we can look at these things and we can still learn from them because we see that Jesus used uh, parables and allegory to teach us to help us understand God because it's such a complex thing. He took complex thing and broke them down into a simple thing to, for us to grab. And so who says the Old Testament isn't that? That there are some stories in there to help us kind of grasp and understand who God is a little better. So when we come with miracles, we have to go with, all right, well, you know, for me, with my son being born, that was a miracle to me. Um, because the doctor says there was, there was really the smallest microbe of a chance of my life being able to have a job. And the fact that that happened, you know, I call that a miracle. Other people might just say, oh, yeah, I just got lucky. Hey, okay. Well, you know, you call it that. I'm going to call it a miracle because this is something we wanted. We planned for. We didn't plan for her to get Lyme's disease to ravage her um, reproductive system. But, you know, this is what happened for us. So, you know, that's that's where I stand on it, really. Makes plenty of sense, but don't you just think that maybe the doctor made a mistake in their diagnosis, and maybe oh, it's a miracle to cover up their mistake. Oh, it's a miracle, you know. Like, do you think that's a part of a possibility there? No, 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 because she's still dealing with the ramifications of that. You know, yeah. she has. Uh, I mean, she she basically got past the point of Lyme disease being diagnosed where she's got it for the rest of her life. You know, she mm-hmm. uh, realized it; they didn't know it. She was feeling off, and then finally they said, "You got it," and we. We can abate the symptoms, but you're past the point of treatment. And these are the things that are going to happen. And this is before we even considered having kids. And, you know, so it was like, okay, what does it mean? And so, you know, it, it was just one of those things where everything worked out accordingly. You know, we, we, we had married uh, six months. Uh, right before that, you know, was when we found out. We got a house. Um, we moved out of an apartment, got a house. We celebrated that house. We christened the house, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, baby, that's right. So, and then, and then that's when we found out. After that, it was like, wait, what was going on? We thought, you know, because you know, she she had to have a, a hysterectomy at 32 because of the Lyme disease, because mm-hmm. of was that. So I can't say it was the doctor made a mistake, um, and and they were covering just because of the ramifications of the after effects of it. So, you know, uh, that's, that's where I'm at on that one. Now, what about this? Because, um, you know, God gets, and this is something I, I've talked about multiple times over, over the, you know, 160 odd something episodes we've done of the Voices of Misery podcast, but God gets, he's got a really great gig, man, because he gets all of the credit, but none of the blame. 
So I was watching a uh, boxing match, right? And mm-hmm. I was watching an MMA fight. I was watching a football game. It happens all the time where, you know, thank you, God, for giving me the talent to knock this man out. I, what I want to hear is the guy who gets knocked out to say, God, what the fuck? You, you like him more than me? Why him, not me, you know? And you hear about these, like, medical miracles. Like, oh, we cured this person. We, we did this. We did that. But didn't – but, like, and if God is the reason for, you know, the good – He's got to get the blame. So, like, why did I get cancer? Why did I get this? Why did I get that? Why, 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 why? And you never hear that side of it. So it's like people are very quick to, you know, give God the credit for everything. But he never or she or whatever it if I don't know if God's a transgender now or whatever the hell's going on nowadays. But why does God never get the blame? Well, I think I think it goes back to the beginning. It goes back to Genesis. Um, and, we, and like it says in Genesis, you know, God was a perfect being and we were, too. And it was when, when Adam and Eve screwed up, if Adam and Eve would have screwed up to this day, you and I would be playing, you know, nude volleyball in the Garden of Eden with all the other honeys. And we'd all be all six pack dad ripped out because there would be no imperfection because there'd be no sin. And but God said, you know what? I have creatures that are designed to serve me and to worship me. I want someone who's going to choose that. And that's why he put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, hey, this is everything right here, but this is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that. That's my only rule. You do whatever you want. Don't eat from that tree. And they ate from that tree, and that's where sin entered. And then you see from that moment, God's creation changes because sin enters the world. Now they're going to have to work for their food. They're going to have pain. They're going to have suffering. So that moment that we, we see sin is when we see the God's creation begin to morph and change into something other than what he created. And it's because he wanted us to choose. He wanted us to have that choice. We don't have to choose God. It's up to us. And so that is why, you know, we want to say thanks to God. Um, But, you know, sometimes let's be honest. We ascribe things to God and to the devil that have nothing to do with it. You know, um, a guy wins, you know, wins a a football game or does, you know, an MMA fight. He says, thanks God for the talent. Well, the other guy had the talent too. He just outworked the other guy. You know, he got fortunate. Um, the other guy probably doesn't think it, but, you know, when I played sports, I played, uh, I was an all-district, all all-parish, all-Cadiana football player, um, baseball player, same thing, got a college scholarship to play baseball. And in all those things, even when we lost, I was like, well, you know, hey, I got to play, and God gave me the talent to do this, even though we got our butts kicked. You know, I mean, I've, I've gotten run over. I've gotten stuff like that. Um, I had to stop playing baseball because I got injured. And, you know, was that, did I blame God for that? No. What did he have to do with that? I'm doing this and I'm living my life and I'm just trying to honor him. I, I'm not going to say, well, the devil broke my leg, you know, or, you know, makes my knee not work anymore. No, I have arthritis because I caught, you know, so much as a small town catcher and catching all the time. I, I'm not going to say that, you know, God, did God give me the talent? Yes. You know? Did, you know, did he throw my pitch down to where you know, I was a catcher? So did when I threw the ball down the second and got the guy out, did he give me, you know, that supernatural thing? No, he didn't do that. He doesn't give a rip about what we do in the sense of, hey, God, give me that extra strength to beat the team. He doesn't care about that. He cares about who you are and what you do and your choices to follow him. He's not going to give you supernatural power or whatever. And, you know, I understand where people are coming from when they say, oh, hey, thanks, God, for the ability. But, hey, say that when you get your butt kicked, too. 
you know, because he still gave you the ability. He gave you the talent. He gave you the strength. He didn't, he doesn't bless you for, that's, once again, it goes back to that stupid Joel Osteen, Creeflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, you know, uh, prosperity thing of, God, I need you to bless me today because I'm going to do this. And I'm, That's the stupidest piece of garbage that has ever entered our society and as a religion ever, and I hate it. It drives me up the wall, and that's where that comes from. It comes from that stupid thing, thinking God's going to bless me, but I got to do that. Mm-hmm. No, it's complete bullshit, and I fucking yeah. hate Joel Osteen. He's such a piece of garbage. He blocked me on Twitter because I called him out for being a scumbag, so oh, but there is something. I've, I've called him out a lot of times, too. I don't know if I've been blocked because I don't really care. I think I blocked him on Twitter before he could block me. So, you know, oh, uh, incredible. I, I can't I can't say that, you know, I, I agree with what he does, you know, but at the same time, too, you know, I can I, can, I have been very opinionated um, and my parents are, are great. My mom is very opinionated, uh, but my dad is interesting because he he t- he he ran a oil and gas business for 45 years, a half a billion dollar oil company. Um, and so he, 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 he takes a different perspective on a lot of things. He's, he's not reactionary. Like I am sometimes he's, he's very, in, you know, introspective and he goes, look, maybe this brings somebody to Christ, you know, the Ed Young's, the Jesse Duplantis, at least they hear the message. Then maybe somebody will come along and tell them that the message is, you know, what they're hearing, the rest of the stuff is wrong. But at least they're hearing the gospel. I said, but dad, he's not teaching the gospel. He's not teaching about sin or or hell or salvation. He goes, as long as they're being introduced to Christ in some way, Christ can make it work. And so as much as I hate it, I have to go at least some good can come from it. And I hope that, you know, he burns in hell forever for the things that he's doing because he's a false teacher. Yeah. But at the same time, there is that hope of, Maybe somebody hears it and something different can come from it. But I still hate the guy. Don't get me wrong. He's still a piece of garbage. Oh, my God. Yeah, he is. Well, well, let me ask you this because like, we kind of strayed away from this. And I, and I want to jump on this real quick because you, you were talking about – well, we were talking about the uh, athletes and they're you know, the praising God. And, and I feel like that should be taken out of the equation. There's another place I think religion should be taken out of, and that's politics. What are your thoughts on religion and politics being so closely tied together? Because I feel like we'd be better off if they separated the two. Oh, yeah. It is, it is, you know, there is a reason we have the separation of church and state. I'm a history guy. I love history. Um, as one of my minors, my, my, my degree in college was broadcasting. My minor was history. I loved it. History is one of my favorite subjects in the world. People like to say, oh, we were founded on religion. Eh, not really. Because if you look at it, Thomas Jefferson was a deist. Yeah. You know. He, he, he was his his deist thoughts was God is out in the universe. He started this like a clock and then he just stepped back and hands off. He's just watching it like a clock on his on his mantle. It's no there's no rhyme or reason. He created it, but he's not involved. You know, so there is that aspect of it. You have to look at it as they just wanted to make sure that anyone who wanted to practice religion could because before then in England, you could only practice Anglican. Well, whatever the Episcopalian or Anglinism or whatever they call it now, they've changed the name of it so many stupid times, but you had to follow the church of England and that was it. You, if you did anything else, you were killed or kicked out or exiled or whatever. And so that's the purpose behind it. But that doesn't mean you get to dictate policy based on your belief. 
And so, you know, and I mean, it, it's funny because, you know, my wife's grown up as, you know, a believer forever. She's, you know, one of, one of the kids she babysat is now a, one of the worship pastors at Bethel, you know, this massive church in California that has all these praise and worship people. And they were like, oh, we got to go pray for President Trump today. I was like, she goes, I think I'm doing okay. I think I'm winning in that aspect because I'm not having to do that. Because I agree, we should pray for our leaders that they make wise choices. But that doesn't mean we pray, we say, oh, this is God's person. No. Did God vote for that person? No, we did. Can we vote according to our values? Yeah. But does that mean we, once again, turn our brain off at the door? No. I'm not going to vote Republican because there's things about Republicans I don't like. But I'm not going to vote Democrat because there's things about Democrats I don't like. I have to look at the candidates, find out what works for me, and I have to vote on it for my personal thing. Now, your values could be different. That's why we have two parties. We really need more than two parties because, you know, the, let's be honest. Oh, I agree. I agree. There are, are, are basically the extreme right and the extreme left. We need a good third party that is the sensible party. But, you know, good luck with that in America. It's never proven. <laughs> you, know, because, All right. you know, so. So, you know, really, at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where religion has should never be political. It should be about you spreading the message of Christ and you doing your best to help your fellow man, not this other garbage that, oh, well, you know, we need to pray and do this or that. No, that's not what it's about. It's about, yeah, if you have a candidate that aligns with your values and they're a Democrat and you normally vote Republican. Vote for the Democrat because they have your value. You know, don't let arbitrary titles of a party determine who you are and what you believe. You believe what you believe. And, and, and once again, you know, and that's where I struggle with it because you watch the news and people just turn their brain off. They're like, well, they're for abortion. And so I'm not going to vote. for them. OK, well, if they're for abortion and you live in a state where abortion is not going to happen, but everything else in their platform works, why wouldn't you vote for that person? You yeah. know, you yeah. know, be be smart with it. I mean, I personally think that yeah, I'm not for abortion. You know, I, I personally believe that hey, we have the opportunity to, you know, provide you know foster care and, and adoption for people. I know the foster care system sucks and it's broken. Trust me, I work for a nonprofit. We deal with kids with abuse who are in foster care, so I know and I see it. But I also see the good that comes from it too, rather than saying hey, we're just going to discard kids. And we're going to abort them or whatever. You know, there's there's other other ways. There's other options that we can do that, you know, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person that says life begins at conception. But that's me. That's my viewpoint. But that doesn't mean if someone has all these other things that I agree with and they, they are for abortion, it doesn't mean I'm not going to discount them because of this one thing. I'm going to listen to what they say and see what their why their stance on abortion is the way they are when the other stuff goes a different direction because I'm not an idiot and I like the thing. No, that makes perfect sense. And I feel the exact opposite. Like I am pro choice. Like I believe it's, it's someone else's decision, what they do um, as, as far as within some kind of reason, there's got to be some sort of regulations. I mean, like if you're going to give birth to a vegetable, that's never going to have a chance at coming out of, you know, 
their own head or whatever, you know? I mean, like, maybe you should have the option to terminate because, like, what kind of life is it if you're just laying in a bed drooling all day long? Um, sure. if, you're, if you're just a slut who opens your legs to everybody and just has abortion after abortion, then maybe you need to, you know, get get fixed or something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it because there's also, you know, rape, incest. There's all sorts of different factors that people don't think about a lot of times. But my Which question those, is, those actually make up less than 1% of all sure. abortion. Oh, so, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I get it. You know, so, you know, think about all the millions of babies, less than 1% of those babies that have been aborted are resulting of rape or incest. So, you know, yeah. So yeah. I get it. Trust me. Cause my wife is a victim of abuse of sexual assault. So no. I, understand, you know, this is before we were married, but I understand that, you know, I get it. But even in that aspect, we're still both pro life for that aspect. Even though she's been a victim of it, it's still, you know, that's still our viewpoint on it. So I understand, you know, uh, with her when she, you know, there's times where, you know, it's, hey, I'm not having a good day. Don't touch me. Okay. All right. You know, I have to respect that because, you know, so that doesn't mean I don't respect a woman and her choice or whatever. But at the same time, I'm not going to be all violent about it. You know, it's, it's your decision. I'm just telling you what I believe. You know, you do you. Uh, but you know, I'm not saying you're going to hell for that either because you know, what do I know? I'm, I'm probably going to hell for lots of stuff if I wasn't saved. So, <laughs> well, here's a question for you though like, why do people get so bent out of shape? And you've got like Antifa out there, you've got people that are just so on one side of the fence that they have to violently attack each other based off of differing opinions. Like, people can't have civil debates, they can't have discussion anymore. What happened? When did this go wrong? And can we find our way back? I mean, hopefully, I would think so. I think I think we really began to see this uh, back in the 80s, where we began to have that combative political aspect of it. You know, uh, I actually was listening to uh, another podcast, My History Can Be Different Politics. Great podcast. If you love history and you love politics, this guy just tells it right down the middle. He looks at the historical aspect of it. He doesn't do it from a Democrat or Republican. He just says, this is history. And that was the talk about it one day was that, Seems to be about in the 80s where we got more adversarial with our uh, campaign. And, um, and, and then, of course, the advent of, of media and mass media. And then all of a sudden now we have things like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook where, you know, people can share their voice how they want and feel like they're important. You know, I'm humble enough to know I'm not important. I'm not, you know, someone who needs to be heard. If I have an opinion, I'll put it out there. Great. And then if nobody cares. Oh, well, I'll move on. I don't care. Um, but, you know, I, everybody has their own self-importance now that rather than going, you know what, maybe I can learn something from this. Um, we, we've become combative. And, and that was part of our societal change in the mid to late 80s. Um, and from that point forward, it's been about, you know, me and I and, um, you know, it's trickled into everything, into religion, politics sports teams, all this kind of stuff. You're seeing all these people, you know, people fighting over their sports team. You know, I'm like, you know, great. You like the Cowboys. They suck bulls, but I, you know, you know, <laughs> I don't care, you know, and you know, the giants are even worse. You can, you can just, you know, eat on that all day long if you want. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I like to be I like to just grow. It hurts. Things. So, uh, but, uh, but I do hate the Cowboys. I'm just saying. Uh, so uh, the 
so but it, that I think really that's what it was, and everybody wants to. F- they want to feel important and they want to feel like their opinion matters. And then when you, when you trump that opinion, you're saying that person's not important and their opinion doesn't, isn't valid instead of going, okay, I see what you're saying, but let me explain why we're not having that anymore because we've lost the idea of conversation. We've lost the idea of politeness. We lost the idea of just how to treat each other. And so can we get back? I mean, we can, it was just, it's just a matter of really going, you know, how do we affect that change? Um, I think doing things like what you and I are doing, you know, we have different opinions on things, but we're going to talk, we're going to learn, we're going to have fun in the process. You know, that is, that is a great way to start it of going, Hey, these two guys are different. They have different opinions, but you know, they seem cool. Why can't we be more like that? You know, maybe that's something like that, putting, things like this more on a prominent platform. But once again, news doesn't want that. Why? Because sex sells, violence sells, and we want the arguing and the yelling and all that kind of stuff. You know, people watch Fox News and CNN for all that garbage. And instead of going, hey, you know, that's not a rational way we need to go about looking at this stuff. Maybe we need to look at it rationally and find ways to converse with one another rather than being jerks. So, I think podcasts are getting popular too because you get long form conversations between people and it's not like a little sound bite it's not like a five minute sound bite that you'll see in the news it's actually people having conversation and i don't know if i blame parents because people are raising their children oh you're special you're right you're right and everybody just feels this sense of entitlement as they get older where their opinion is the only one that matters because that's how they were brought up i don't know where this started I've only been noticing it recently because I've been paying more attention to the news and just watching more TV. And we just got into social media and we're starting to see the ugliness of that. And we even stay off of Twitter and Facebook as much like I, like we should probably go on more as we're trying to promote a show. But it's, there's so much ugliness out there. And I don't know if we can get out of this whole thing because people are just disgusting now. man. I, I just don't know how we can come back from this all. Like, are we going to have this come to Jesus moment or what is it going to be? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and and that's where I'm like, can we maybe? But you know, like you said, it's it's just gotten worse. And you know, the Goldburn participation trophy. That when those things started coming out, you know, I mean, uh, well, you know, Johnny didn't get first, second, or third, so but he needs a trophy. No, he doesn't. He got his butt whipped. So maybe try again next year and do a little better. You know, and if if I would have gotten a participation trophy, because I mean, I wasn't the best or the fastest or the strongest, but I guarantee you, because I learned if I wanted to get something, I'm going to have to work at it. I outworked everybody on the field, and I was smarter. I mean, I was a, I, I walked into freshman year football. I was 5'5", 145, never played a lick of football in my life. By the time I left as a senior, I was 5'9", 200 pounds, bench pressing 450, squatting six, and deadlifting five. And so uh, ran a 4'6", 40, but all that was the work that I put in. You know, and mama's cooking and all the work I put in in the gym at the school with the program. And then also, you know, being a three-year starter by learning, you know, sitting with the coach. Hey, when they're in this formation, these are the t- tendencies they do. When, we, when they're in this formation, these are the tendencies they do. And they're 70% pass and 30% run in this formation. And when they do run, they're 35% of this. You know, it's sit there learning, you know, listen to our defensive coordinator. And going, well, I want to be better, so I'm going to have to put in the work. But because now kids can just show up and do this stupid participation trophy garbage, 
And by the way, churches who have the upward program is the biggest garbage ever. So don't ever, <laughs> can't stand that. No, kids need to be competitive. They need to learn to lose. They, you know what I mean? So I learned to lose playing sports. And when I learned to lose, I get better. I learn from those things. I learn from those mistakes. And because I learned to lose, I learned how to have a conversation of how do I get better? How do I, I can, so I can handle it when someone says, you suck. Well, great. I'm sorry you feel that way, but let's talk about why. Because I understand that aspect of it. Um, and maybe I'm on the wrong side of something and I can learn from that aspect. So all that stuff, you know, I think is where really we can, if we could get back from that, get away from the stupid participation trophies and, and churches, stop doing the upward program, you stupid garbage programs, teach people kids to lose. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah. Hey, let, hey, let me ask you this question, okay? Because like the same conversation that I brought up a little bit earlier with that person at my job, I asked them, am I going to go to heaven? And the person said no. And I go to the person, I go, why not? And and I'm like, well, I'm a good person. I take care of my wife. I take care of my children. I respect everybody. You know, like we're having a conversation right now, very respectful. I have conversations like this all the time with people, all sorts of different opinions, right? I don't do anything wrong. I honor my family, honor my friends, take care of people. Why, why won't I get in heaven? If that's not good enough, then do I really want to go there? What's your opinion? Do you think I'm going to get in, even though I don't believe in God per se? So, it, at, at the end of the day, I'm going to say no, because here's the thing. Uh, what it boils down to, God is inclusive but exclusive. He gave us a way. He gave us a choice. Uh, he sent his son, died on the cross, rose again. We know Jesus is real because he's referenced in, there's actually more historical evidence of Jesus being real than William Shakespeare. True. So, you know, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we know Jesus was real in some way, shape or form. Some people think he was a prophet. I mean, he's in he's in the book of Islam and he's actually rated higher than Muhammad. So understand Jesus was real. He was very well respected, very well known. I believe he was he was God in the form of man, died and rose again. God said, because of this, because I said, my son, if you believe in making your savior, you can come to heaven. If not. You, you, you have that choice. And then if not, you're going to go to hell because I can't be near sin. We see that through all through scripture. The whole thing, the whole thing is God wanted to be with us. He created us. He made the garden for us. He wanted to be with us. But the moment Adam and Eve sinned, it changed his creation and he had to cast it out because it can't be in the presence of sin. And so at the end of the day, it's your choice. You have to, you want to have faith and believe? Great. If you don't, you don't. Now, at the end, some people say, well, I don't think it's real. Okay, well, I so if I chose to follow Christ, be as best of an example as I can, I'm going to screw up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say curse words, I'm going to be mad, I'm going to do other stuff, but I, I'm going to live the life to my best of ability, following his principles, doing the things he asks. What harm has it done? Nothing. But if I, and if, if I, if I die and there is no God, Oh, well, no big deal. I've at least hopefully left a legacy of of goodness and maybe change in the world for a little bit better than the way I brought it in. But if I don't and I just do whatever and I'm kind of an asshole and I die and there is a God, boy, I'm going to be screwed. So that's the way I, I choose to look at it. But again, I can't tell you, you know, what you believe, because like you said, you said you prayed the prayer. Is it real for you? Then if it is, you're going to heaven. I can't. I can't be the judge of that 
because at the end of the day, it's your choice. I'm not telling you, you know, you're going to go to heaven because there's not a checklist. The checklist is being perfect. So if you can be perfect, there's only one person in the world that I know did it and he got put on a cross. And so, um, you know, so if you could pull that off, great. I, I know I can't because, you know, I, I said asshole. So, oh, I'm a bad person. Whatever. Now, are curse words bad? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, they're just words that we give currency to. Because, like, you can say anything. Like, I can say asshole, but we can easily change the definition by just making it mean something else as people. Yeah. You know? I, the, the, the premise of it was you were, you were cursing someone. So, like you said, it, the idea being you're you're spewing ill will towards someone, and so it's not necessarily the the word itself; it's the intention and the use of the word. So, um, you know, that is that idea. So, curse words in the Old Testament where you were literally putting a curse on someone or, or wishing bad on someone. So you wouldn't call somebody an asshole; you would just say, "Hey, I hope that you get eaten by a, a, a lion and ants feast on your body." That would be their version of calling you an asshole. Yeah. So, you know, and so that's where the curse word etymology comes from. So it's just now, and of course, curse words have changed throughout history. That's, you know, once again, I'm going back to history because I love history. Curse words have changed throughout history. They've been all kinds of things. You know, uh, the flipping of the middle finger was actually something that started because um, in in England, when the, in the Hundred Years' War, um, English the English had longbows which the french didn't have and so when when the french would capture um english archers they would cut their middle finger off be, to oh, keep them from using their bow yeah so they couldn't use a longbow so after one battle archers you know were on the top of the hill and they defeated the french they started putting their middle fingers up to say hey look we, we're still here we've got our middle fingers you didn't cut them off because you suck and we beat you that's and awesome. that's one of the, yeah, it's a great etymology of how the middle finger became the middle finger. They did it, and there was actually a victory pose. It was a victory, at, you know. <laughs> you know, so you know that's one of the one of the quote unquote etymologies of the middle finger. So all the all curse words have an origin and etymology of interest, but it's a matter of like you said, what do we ascribe to? Them? It's that idea of putting putting ill will. So I mean, really. If I just say oh, that guy's a joke, technically I'm cursing. But we just once again we we ascribe value to things at different levels, which by the way, we like to do that, but then it's sin. So if you spin in God's eyes, it's still sin. So if you're a rapist, you're just as bad as a you know, uh, you know, cursing. You know, there's no there's no there's no level of sin, it's all sin. I'm so glad you said rapist because I was gonna ask you this question. Great segue, by the way. Can a rapist or a child molester or, or a murderer, do you think they could get into heaven if they say that magic prayer and feel, you know, forgiveness in their heart or they're begging for forgiveness? Because Ted Bundy and, and, and Nerdette and I talked about this a while back. She's a huge Ted Bundy fan. Mm -hmm. But the night before he was put down, he spent the night with a pastor and he said the prayer for forgiveness. Is Ted Bundy in heaven because of that? Or is God like, no, nah, man, you're a fucking bastard. I don't give a shit what you said. You're going to hell. Yeah. So I actually heard that one and I was, I was giggling and I think I'd message something. And was, you did. Was that, I told you stop blowing up our spot. Cause you know, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I remember hearing that one and I giggled. So here's the thing. I've seen deathbed confession. You know, um, one year I was working in for a summer as a summer youth pastor 
with a guy in California. And his name is YJ Jimenez. Awesome dude. Incredible dude. Um, he's back here in Texas now, but he is in California and he did things like he cared about his community. So he was on, he was like the on-call pastor for the funeral home. So if someone died without a pastor, he would go do their funeral for him. Um, or, um, he was a chaplain for a hospital. And I remember one time he got a call from a guy and talking to him forever about Christ guys dying of cancer. And, uh, he said, Hey, can YJ come by? He says, yes. So YJ comes by, he talks to him, and the guy says he's finally ready to accept Jesus. So he prays, and, you know, we talk to him a little bit more, and then we drive off. And he gets a call, literally like we were in the car maybe about 30 minutes out, that the guy died. So, you know, yeah, so it's kind of one of those things like, oh, wow, okay. Um, and, you know, we had a discussion about that. Is that guy going to heaven? You know, because, I mean, he probably knew he was dying. You know, and he's like, well, I'm going to get that fire insurance in before I go. Um, you know, with Ted Bundy, I don't I don't see how that could be the real thing, because there was no way for him to have evidence with this guy that prayed that died of cancer. I don't know if that's the real thing, because there was no way to to show that evidence to show it was real. But who am I to judge? And once again, it goes back to the fact that I'm not going to judge these people for who they are. I can just go by my faith and my belief. So if they truly believe and that's the case, those two that we've talked about are in heaven. But I can't judge that. I'm not qualified for that because there's only one and that's God. Uh, other than that, I know where I'm at. I know my belief. And I know that, you know, hey, if, if God's real and I die and I'm going to heaven, we're going to be in heaven. Um, and if there is no God, well, I lived a good life. And what's the harm in that? Why is hell permanent? And the reason why I ask this is because I have a very small knowledge of Buddhism. And a guy that I worked with told me that in Buddhism, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I probably am. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what someone else told me. He said that in, in Buddhism, if you get sent to their version of hell, you have to sit there for a set amount of time. But then you can earn your way out of it if, if, if you get some kind of enlightenment and you become a better person in hell. Let's say if I go to hell because I don't you know, believe in God, but if I'm like, holy shit, if this is real, he's got to be real. And if I come to that moment of clarity while I'm in hell burning, like, oh, God is real. I lived a good life. I accept him now. Why can't he just say, all right, you can come out now. But, like, why does it have to be eternal? Why is that? And can we revamp this system, please, God, if you're real? Uh, well, there's two things about it. One, hell is not permanent. We see in, in Revelation that God's going to basically fight Satan again, and it's going to destroy hell. And so that all there's going to be left are the followers. So, um that once again, revelation is freaky and I believe allegorical as all heck. So, you know, how much of it is real or whatever, I don't know, but that's one aspect of it. So hell is, it's not eternal. It's whenever God decides he's had it up and he's going to, you know, start over. But um, the other aspect of it is, is because we see you've had all that choice. You've had all that time to make that decision. Now you're in hell and you do that. Um, you still have that. You still have that clear. You can't. It's kind of like saying, um, you know, buying a lottery ticket and you didn't win, and then after the fact, going, oh, but what? I would have. I would have picked those numbers. So give me the money. You know, uh, it's that same idea of going. Well, I had this lottery ticket. 
I would have won, but I, I did. I didn't want to pick those numbers, but I went with these instead. So why don't you go ahead and give me the money because I was going to pick those numbers. And so um, because we have the time here on earth to make that decision. And once again, it's about that faith and what you believe. If you don't believe, that's fine. If we're, you are Buddhist, that's fine. You believe what you believe because we're we're trying to understand because there's things about this world that we can't explain. You know. Um, the formation of the universe and everything about it. There's theories, there's ideas. At the end of the day, we try to ascribe the unexplainable to God. And we try our best to do that. And so with this aspect, the same thing with the afterlife. Um, if if there's no permanency in hell, then why believe in God or not believe in God? If you can go to hell and say, oh, wow, God was real, and then get to heaven then why have hell to begin with? And then why have sin? And then why have salvation? There's, there's, it negates everything of the belief system, you know, um, that aspect of it. Well, why wait? Why doesn't God just do it now? And why does he let Satan do all these horrible things and tempt people and all this stuff? Why even allow the creation of hell itself? Why, why, why is he waiting? Well, uh, uh, that would be, and this is going to be one of those weird answers of, you know, when I was a kid, my parents say, because. <laughs> and that's, it, yeah. And I mean, I do it now to my kid, you know, he's 14. You know, what can I do? Because I said so, you know, and, and, and scripture God says, no one knows the time or hour or date except for me. You know, God's the only one. Whenever he's ready, he's going to do it. Whatever that aspect is, he's going to do it. I can't tell you when, why or how. Anybody who says otherwise is is a fucking liar. You know, just pardon my French on that one, but they are just. I got them to say fucking. I love it. Podcast over. I got them to say fucking. I love it. <laughs> you know how many times a day I say it? Sometimes with my job is just like, ah! So, yeah. Nonprofit is not all glamour and, and, and you know, sunshine and rainbows. So, uh, but, you know, there's no aspect, there's no rhyme or reason for it. It's just going to be when he chooses and you know once again we ascribe things to satan and to god that aren't necessarily they're doing you know um you know people say oh the devil's tempted me i doubt that i doubt that you're that significant that he's gonna come personally tempt you i think the only person he probably personally tempted was jesus that's about it everybody else is pretty insignificant you know so um it, it just goes back to that aspect of we're flawed creatures we're imperfect, and this is a lesson for us to learn, to try to learn from the, all these different aspects of, of life and, and faith and how to best do that. And if we, if we don't, if we live in these, you know, I, I question, you know, people who say the prayer and then they're like, I just try to keep to myself. I don't talk to anybody because I don't want to mess anything up. Well, you're not being a Christian. You're not following the example of Christ. Christ, right. yep. eating prostitutes and working with tax collectors and he was out and about and he was trying to tell people about what God was doing and he was loving on people who were sick and he he was he was doing some good shit out there and we're in turn supposed to be like that we're gonna screw up we we got to do that and so there's there's the both aspects that we have to learn from our mistakes we have to be who we are God created us to be you know who we are there are no mistakes with people and personalities they are all created so for clear? go ahead 
So, so is that prayer the secret into getting into heaven and also feeling it in your heart, obviously? Is that prayer, like, is that necessary to be said before you can get in? So, so the, you know, I like to say it's not a magic prayer. Um, it's not how you say it. It's not what the words you say. It's, it's the, it's that, it's that idea of you're surrendering yourself to him. It's, it's the, the act. It's, it's the thing you're doing to symbolize that this is real for me. I'm making that moment to do this, you know, uh, to change. So like, you know, I know you've talked about how you went on your keto diet and you've dropped all this weight and, you know, congratulations to your brother on that, but um, that you, you had to make a choice at some point. You had to say, this is the thing I'm doing. I'm doing it and I'm going to live this lifestyle and this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do, period. And so it's the same idea. It's not the words you say, it's the intention and that surrender saying, I'm going to go this route from this point forward. So that's, that's really what it is. It's not a magic prayer. It's not the words. The words are unimportant. It's that, that act of surrender. It's that act of saying, I need you because I need something bigger than me in my life. What happens? What happens to people that don't have personalities? People like can't talk. Like, what about a uh, like a newborn baby that that you know unfortunately passes away coming out of the womb? Does that baby go to heaven? What about animals? Where do animals go? They can't speak. They can't say a prayer. They don't know what the hell God is or anything like that. Where do they go? What about babies and and animals? Like, what happens to them when they die? So, 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 so we're we're gonna do the two prong thing. Uh, first one, one thing we want to talk about is the idea of being able to consciously make decisions, you know, whatever age that you're at, you know, people say five, six, seven, eight, where you're able to make, you know, understand the knowledge of good and evil, you know, babies really two, three, four years old, don't really even have a, a strong understanding or aspect of that. So I, they would be what I would call an innocent, you know? So uh, if they die, I believe they go to heaven because they, they don't understand what they're doing. You know, um, are there people who maybe have that mental capacity who are born and that's the same thing? Yeah. And I think those people go to heaven. They could be 30 and have the mental age of a four-year-old, five-year-old, and they go to heaven because they don't understand what they're doing. So with that rationale, I think the same thing applies to animals. Animals don't have an understanding. They live on instinct. They have no, you know, ability to go, oh, well, this is something good I should do. So maybe do that. I, mean, I have two beagles. I love my beagle, but my beagles do stupid crap all the time. You know, <laughs> you know, and they're not because it's their choice. It's just because it's their instinct. You know, my older one, Jakar, he gets into the trash sometimes because he smells stuff and he wants to get into the trash. And we've told him, no, he doesn't understand that. He just knows there's what smells like food in here. You know, and so, um, and Jarvis, our, our younger one, just kind of falls around because Jakar is the older one. Um, so, you know, and Jarvis is kind of more of a moron than Jakar is. So, <laughs> but I love them both. Um, but they don't have the ability to make that choice. I can't sit down to them and say, Jakar, I need you to make this decision. Would you rather this or this? We like to ascribe those personal things to our pets, but there's, there's no cognitive understanding. The, you know, getting dogs to make decisions or do things, it's based off repetition and treats and reward programs. That's not conscious thought. That is, I do this, I'm going to do this. You know, so um, 
So I don't think that applies to dogs, but I think there's going to be a bajillion dogs in heaven because dogs are the best creatures on the earth, other than horses. Horses are the other best ones. So. Oh, I love dogs. And horses are pretty cool, too. But I would never ride one because of what happened to Christopher Reeve, man. I mean, I, 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 just, I, I just don't think I can control one enough, if that makes it, sense. It depends. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've, I've ridden quite a few horses, um, partially because my grandfather had a dairy farm growing up and there was horses there. And so um, having to work on the farm a little bit, that was fun. But I mostly drove the El Camino through the pasture, not a horse. Which is still, you know, hell yeah. Good movie, too, by the way. Check that oh. out on Netflix for a Breaking Bad fan. Oh, yeah. No, I, have, I still have to, have to catch up on that one. So, hey. yeah. Hey, let me ask you this, because I'm a person who, like like I said, like I'm starting to come around to it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle. I just need proof. Why is there so much contempt for people like myself that don't necessarily believe you almost feel like you're just chastised just because you need more. I can't blindly follow something without proof. And and, and that's just me because I don't want to live my life. And, and and I'm a good person. I At least I like the thing. So people tell me I'm a good guy. But like I, I, I just don't need a reason to be good. I'm good because being good feels good, you know. And I feel like because people ask me and I'm very open. People say, hey, because I live in South Carolina. They go, hey, what church do you belong to? It's a very religious place, the Bible Belt. And yeah. I go, I don't go to church. And they say, why? And I say, well, because I don't believe. Well, and, and then they look at me. Oh, my God, you don't believe. You're a horrible person. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm actually a good guy. Come hang out. Come talk to me for a little bit. And, you know, we'll work this out. Why is there so much contempt? Why can't people on, on uh, well, and I'm not going to say all people, but why can't some people who are very religious have respect for people that just don't believe? Because they're sick to these assholes. That's the simplest thing. I love you know, I mean, the, the, the problem with Christian is church people. Um, you know, church people are the new Pharisees. They're the people, oh, you got to go to church. You got to believe this and do that and this. You know, those are the new Pharisees. Those are the sanctimonious assholes, the people that Jesus were talking about, you know. And so uh, those are the worst representation of Christians that there can be because these people don't understand what Christianity really is. It's not about going to church on Sunday and singing songs and hearing a message from a pastor. The message is to encourage you to go out and do things. Go serve in your community. Go help the homeless. Go visit people in the hospital. Churches and church people are the worst representations of Christianity that there are. Um, They expect the pastors. Pastors burn out faster than any other job because the church people expect the pastors to do everything. They want you to go to the, oh, well, pastor didn't come see me when I was in the hospital. Well, yeah, because he probably had to go see 15 other people, and everybody wants their kid. And why don't your home groups do that? Why don't the people in your community that you do, oh, you haven't because you're a lazy ass sitting on your pew on Sundays, sitting there listening to the message going, give me more, give me more, but you're not doing the things that God tells you to do because you're such a lazy, sorry piece of Okay, there we go. All right, go, so go for it, go for it. Come on, man, bring it on, bring it on. Yeah, no. So, so understand. So, that's that's the worst represented church people. The people that you know go to restaurants on Sundays and then are assholes to the servers. And I don't tip because I ser- I gave my ten percent to God. That doesn't excuse you from paying your taxes or helping or being a decent human being. So get your foot out of your own head or your own ass and start being a part of the community. Start. <sighs> you know, helping the homeless, start being involved. And that's, that's where, that's part of my struggle with church 
why I'm not going to church right now is because church people and have just made it where you just either you go and you deal with these sanctimonious people the whole time, or you, sometimes you go and it just doesn't feel genuine. And that's my biggest struggle right now. Is I'm trying to get over people. Doesn't mean I still I don't believe in God. I still I pray every day. I have my quiet time in the morning. Um, I you know I, and I go to church sometimes, but finding that place to connect has not been the place that need you know, I have found you know for the last few years. And so it, it's because of church people, you know, and having been serving and giving and giving and giving to people has burned my wife and I both out, you know, on on church because of church people, and 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 so. And that is the unfortunate part of this aspect of religion and, and church is that church people make it terrible. So. What are some of the weirdest requests that anyone has ever asked of you being a pastor? So like, I mean like confessionals, like, Hey, can you forgive this? Like I did this or I lusted after my friend's wife or I did this or, or whatever, whatever it may be. What's the, what, what's some of the weirdest things anyone's asked you to forgive for them? Well, so that's the one thing about our, at least in the, the Protestant religion, is they don't have to come to me for forgiveness. Um, you know, that's, that's the Catholic. We let them deal with that kind of stuff and how they want to do it. For, for Protestants, is you have that direct relationship. So in Catholicism, they say you don't. You have to go through the priest. Whereas with us as a Protestant, you have, because you accepted Christ as your Savior, you have that direct contact with god so you you don't have to come to a priest to ask for forgiveness of your sins you just got to do it you know and then that's where people like to use and that's the other thing that i hate about church people is they like to use prayer requests to get the gossip out you know oh well you know so and so do you need to pray for so and so because they're going through a divorce and it's just terrible (laughs) they need a prayer let them pray for it that's up you know yeah Uh, you know that's the other half of it um, you know, people will use prayer for gossip and stuff like that. And that's not what it's there for. It's there so that we can encourage each other and lift each other up. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the, I've, so I've never really had anybody like, say, Hey, can you forgive me for this? Because I'm like, no, that's not my department. My department is to teach you and encourage you to go out and serve. God handles the forgiveness aspect of it. And I usually tell them to go talk to them. But I mean, you, you hear, gossip in the prayer request time of, you know, pray for so-and-so because they're doing this and they got this and this. Oh, Jesus. Okay, shut up. Move on. You know, <laughs> if they're here to pray for it and they want to pray for it, then they'll let them pray for it. I've, I've literally said that before where we've been in prayer stuff and somebody starts saying something's like, no, no, you shut up. If it's not about you, if it's someone else, you don't get to say it because you just got them at this point. If they want that prayer for it, they'll come and they'll pray for it. So, yeah, I've done that before because I can't stand that garbage either. Well, it's a very huge responsibility being in the role that you're in because people look to you for guidance. Like they look to you as like a father figure, just someone who can get them one step closer to the almighty being in the sky. I mean, when did you come to terms with the fact that like you have a responsibility in life because people do look to you and other pastors for for, for guidance, you know? Yeah, so I knew, I knew I had a call when I was 12. Um, so, um, I got saved at seven and at 12, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the guy, uh, guy just recently passed away from pancreatic cancer, Mr. Alan Fulton. 
he was he had been in the oil and gas business. My dad knew him. He drilled wells in South Louisiana, and he gave all of it up to go to Africa and drill water wells for for people in Africa to give provide fresh water for people in Africa, but then also tell them about the gospel. And so uh, he had been over there. He had come back and was telling his testimony. And and I think when he was telling me that, it's like that's what I want to do. I want to tell people about Christ. I want them to know the goodness of Christ and and what he can do for them, just like he's done for me. So at 12, I knew, and I, I went and I told my pastor, and, um, you know, I guess this is where I'm chasing church a little bit, is because my home church has been probably one of the best churches I've ever been a part of. And so, like, Brother Mike, he he literally had just retired. He's been there for 35 years, which most pastors don't last that long in churches, because most churches get too butthurt about stuff, and they run the pastor off. Um, he's been there for 35 years. His son's now the new senior pastor, and that was not a Trust me, I know my dad and brother Mike are best friends. We've been a part of that church forever. We've been on all kinds of inside committees and things like that. Sean, it was not a nepotism thing. Sean put in the work to become the new senior pastor. Um, and brother Mike made him work for it. It wasn't, you're my kid, you're going to take over. Um, there were times that I know of that, you know, it might not have worked out the way it did if, if things didn't change. So, um, but they, they, when I told them that, they immediately began mentoring me, even without me knowing it. So from 12 to 18, I was being poured into by the youth pastor and the senior pastor and, and the staff. And, you know, I was almost like one of the other staff kids because we were there all the time. We were serving and being involved. And, and so by, by the time I was 18, they were, they were like, yep, yeah, this dude's ready. Let's, let's, let's give him a job as a summer intern um, in our youth department. Because he's been here, he knows what we're doing. He's already kind of volunteering as a senior. So let's just bring him on right out of high school. And that was my first start in ministry was at my home church. And even to this day, they're now the largest Southern Baptist church in the state of Louisiana, in South Louisiana, which is a mostly Catholic territory. Because of what they do, they're about serving the community and helping other people and, and being a part of the community, not, hell, you're going to go to hell or whatever. No, it's about connecting with people and serving and 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 meeting people where they're at and that's the problem with church a lot of day a lot of times they they want to they want to teach or turn or burn or whatever instead of meeting people where they're at and saying hey what do you need how can we help you how can we be a part of your community and, and, and part of what you need not we think we think you need this no let's let's meet these people where they're at and meet their needs and then as we're doing that we're telling about scripture if we have to, you know, hopefully our actions and the way we serve and treat people in our community will bring them to Christ. But if we do have to use our words, we'll do that as well. Like St. Francis of Assisi did, um, you know, he, he is a Catholic monk, but he said, preach the gospel daily, use words if you have to, meaning treat people with respect, meet their needs, and don't be an asshole. Yeah. So, that pretty much sums it up right there. I mean, uh, don't be an asshole. And there's yeah. so many different religions out there, and there's so many different ideologies. No one knows for sure 100% which is the right religion to follow. Um, people say, oh, Zeus, that's a horrible idea. That, that That's impossible. People say Santa Claus is fake. People say the Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy. But then again, you have all these stories, this grand scheme of this god who can make things happen, snap at his fingers, he can do all this shit. Yeah, it's just, it's just all crazy. So I'm on the side, and I subscribe to the notion that I have to see it to believe it. 
and people say, hey, you can't see air. And I go, yeah, you can if you freeze it or whatever. Like when it's cold outside, you can blow and you see smoke coming out of your mouth and all this other stuff. But there's there, there there's so much to wrap your head around. We can go five hours talking about it. But I do want to ask you this one major question here. Have you ever had a private moment where you're sitting by yourself and you're like, you know, have you ever doubted God is real? Have you ever doubted, you know, like your, your, your calling in life? Have you ever just felt like, damn it, man, like I should be doing something else? I mean, I don't think you can call yourself a Christian if you haven't had that moment. I mean, there have been plenty of times where, you know, I mean, we, so let me give you an example going back to, you know, I told you about our son. We got our house right after we got our house, you know, I lost a job in, in ministry and I went for a whole year without work, trying to do part-time jobs, trying to find work in some way, shape or form. And I'm like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I supposed to be in ministry? You know, I've had those discussions, you know? Um, and then um, it, it just takes that idea of, okay. Um, you know, talking to people, asking questions, getting advice, thing, am I doing anything wrong? Um, you know, because, at the end of the day, like my dad says, if things happen because he works people and he's, he's been, like I said, in the old gas business 45 years, hiring and firing people. If you keep leaving jobs or getting fired from jobs or, or you're going different places for different reasons, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, the common denominator is you. So what is that about you? You know, what are the reasons why? And so, um, you know, I've had those discussions. I've thought about that of, you know, God, if you're real, why don't you just give me a job? You know, when I'm going for a year and a half, you have a new baby. You, you know, your wife has to get on WIC because you're not making enough money and you're trying to figure out how you're going to put food on the table and make things happen. And you've just bought a house and you're like, okay, how am I going to do this now? Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of it. But even in those aspects, I see where God's faithfulness has come through and, and, and the ability to go, it's okay. I've got you, you know? So at the end of the day, I don't, it goes back to why is that? Why haven't been able to do that? It's because I live life. I don't sit in my room. I'll go, Oh my God, I don't want to offend anybody or I don't want to whatever. Um, because you know, in a way the gospel is a little bit offensive. It says, Hey, you got to accept or, you know, those are your choices, but it's your choice. You do what you want, but you know, these are the things. And, you know, nowadays, if you give people a choice, it's offensive. You know, oh, yeah. my God, you choose, you know? Yeah, but it's your choice. You can, whatever makes you happy, you do that. But, no, there are consequences. And, you know, we like to say consequences, and we use it as a negative term, but consequences, the definition of the word just means the choice, you know, you're the result of a choice. So, you know, if I choose, uh, I could have a consequence of going out and giving my kid a hug. There's a consequence in that. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. You know, we just tend to always use it as a negative concept because, you know, it's an idea of we have the choice. We, we, but I'm, I've experienced it. I've lived it. I've seen it. I've had those moments where I go, okay, God, I don't, I don't think you're real. And then I've had those moments where, you know, I'm going through that and it's been a week to three weeks. And then all of a sudden something happens and it just, reinvigorate who I am it's whether it be having a quiet time and you have this this moment or this feeling or you know somebody says something to you you know I've had it to where a random person has said something to me out of the blue middle of nowhere about specifically something I, I don't know this person 
and they say something that I've been struggling with, and it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, it, it's it's those aspects where it, it's been real for me in that aspect because I live life. I understand that life's going to suck, going to be hard, but my faith has always been there because I've seen where God has always been there for me. So I can't go, well, it's bad now, so it, God must hate me, so, you know, I don't like God anymore. No, you have to. You know, it goes through the good and the bad, you know. I love my wife, but guess what? Someday she really pisses me off. Doesn't mean I don't love her still, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes I might have to take you a little space, you know. Um, sure. You know, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I don't love her. I just, you know, I'm having a moment. You know, we're still there and we're still on the same team. We're still doing the same stuff. We just have, you know, we still have that love. We just express it a different way. So, that's always been that their thing for me, you know. We yep. so that's my the aspect, I guess. I'm trying to relate in that. Well, I got a couple more questions for you here. I got three more questions for you, okay? Because we three, only I'll, three. I'll, I'll tell you what, and 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 this is a promise I'm going to make to the listeners. I mean, I I know these people love hearing this kind of conversation, and this is kind of what the heart of the podcast was built on when I first started this thing over a year ago now. Um, I've always wanted to have conversations with people and just to learn things, you know, like differing opinions and religion and politics, stuff like that. And and this is the kind of interview I've always wanted to have right here, right now. This is the one. I want you to come back on more and you should do your own podcast. Or I say this a lot of my guests because we 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 get into the personal stuff and we have good conversations, but you can definitely do this podcasting thing. I I really think you have a very, you know, good opinion on things. You're very good natured. You can take a joke, a few jabs here and there. And, and I appreciate you for coming on here. No problem. But I do have a question for you here because uh, I've, this is something I've always wanted to know. And uh, you're the man to ask. So we have tornadoes, we've got earthquakes, natural disasters, you know, all these diseases that we can't cure or won't cure because, you know, that this is a whole nother topic with the pharmaceutical companies and the fact that they keep us sick to make more money. But that's neither here nor there. Why are there all these horrible things? Because you have a child. I have two children. I would never wish something bad to happen to one of my kids. But it seems like we're all God's children. But we have these horrible things that he puts us through, these testaments and these horrible things that we have to deal with. And and I have a podcast a long time ago. I did this one. You you guys can find this one. It's called Are You a Better Dad Than God? It's a really shitty, you know, like half hour thing I did a long time ago when I was learning how to be a podcaster. But I, I, I feel like if I wouldn't do it to my kids, why would he do it to me? Why would he do it to you? Why would he do it to anybody? Why do we have to suffer? Okay, so that's, that's actually going to go back to what I referenced earlier of the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned, and we see that. There was no suffering before that. Um, if you read in Scripture, there was no hurt. There was no pain. There was no suffering. The moment sin entered, we see that you're going to have a painful childbirth. You're going to have, there's going to be hurt and pain and suffering because of sin. So once again, this, what we're going through right now was not God's plan. It was not his purpose, but he gave us the choice to choose to follow him or to not. And because sin entered the world, it once again, it altered his creation. So now that's why we have cancer. That's why we have sin. That's why we have, you know, tornadoes, and because there was nothing like that before 
um, in the Garden of Eden. Like I said, if Adam and Eve wouldn't have screwed up, you and me would be playing Nick nude volleyball with Sidney Crawford's, and we'd Ooh, all be like, Sidney you know, Crawford. Hey, you know, or whoever you want, you know. I mean, we'd all be that as Adonis's and and uh, Venus's just playing nude volleyball and having a good time. But then altered that creation that God did because once again, He didn't want to create us to be angels. We can't be angels because angels are created. They are beings that God created specifically to be servants and to worship him. And he wanted something that would choose that, you know, of all the choirs of angels, uh, it says in scripture that when one person chooses to follow God and sing to him, that's more beautiful to him, no matter how terrible they are or whatever, it's that choosing and that act of worshiping him. That is more beautiful than all the choirs of angels in heaven. You know, that's, so, fair, though. that's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair, but that was our choice, you know. But, uh, is, but and, and I'm really sorry, but like you listen to our show, everyone listening right now is listening to our shows. If I don't say something immediately, I'll forget it. And this is something that I've been wanting to ask, and I didn't have it in my notes. So Adam and Eve screwed up, right? Why sure. are we affected by that? Why are we affected? I had nothing to do with those two assholes. And the thing is, it's like, and I always equate this, and this is probably a horrible analogy, but I'm going to use it. So um, there's a lot of crime committed by a certain, you know, uh, ethnic group or some shit in some area, right? Mm-hmm. So this person of a different ethnic group or, or, or the same ethnic group gets pulled over. Why am I getting pulled over? You know, is it because I'm so-and-so? And the cop is like, no, because you were doing this. But that person feels like they're being prejudged because of someone else's actions. I feel like as human beings, we're being prejudged because of Adam and Eve. And like, I, I, I don't know who the hell they are. I'm not real. You know, like, I don't know anything about them. So why am I having to suffer? Why can I have paradise? Why can I have a choice? I won't eat that apple. They did it. So why am I hurting because of what they did? Like I said, it's probably a horrible fucking analogy. But I just want to know why we're being judged based off of what, uh, based off of their mistake, why are we suffering? Why can't we have paradise? Yeah, because, well, I mean, we can if you choose to accept Christ and, die, and when you die, you go to heaven. That's paradise. But the, uh, the, the simplest answer that I could relate it to would be that um, sin became enrooted into who we are. So as much as God wanted to remove it, he couldn't just say, okay, there's no more sin, because once again, then if he does that, we become creatures like angels. We're, we don't have that choice. He wanted us to have free will. And so um, sin just became a part of who we are. Um, uh, the best way I could describe it is like a cancer that can't be removed um, into our into our world. And that's, that is the best analogy that I can simplify it as for us to really connect with that is that God didn't want this for us. This was not his plan. That's why he eventually came up with, you know, he had the covenant system in place where we would sacrifice a goat once a year, but that wasn't enough. And that's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could have that access. But it once again became a choice. He can't remove it because if he does, he takes away our free will. He takes away our ability to choose. And then we just become creatures like angels. He wants that choice. That's why he, he created us. That was why we were perfect. But that's why he had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because he said, hey, you can do whatever you want. Just don't eat that tree. Eat from that tree. Um, and, and so why was that there? Why did God put that there to begin with? Is because he wanted us to have the choice. Did he know we were going to screw up? Yeah, he did. But he wanted that choice because he loved us. 
instead so that would be like you telling your child you know you can do whatever you want and not having them have a, a way to choose the bad aspects of anything which we would want that for our kid but then are they really living you know are they are they are they experiencing life because we're not letting them learn from failure we're not letting them learn from the things that we do it's the same aspect god wants us to learn he wants us to experience life even though there's now sin because of our choice, he wanted that because he wants us to choose him, not just because, well, I created you, so you have to choose him. No, that's not the case at all. We, we don't have to choose him, but he would like if we did. Okay, okay, that makes perfect sense, perfect sense. Now, in closing here, I want to ask you, because you're a very smart man, you know, you're, you're very intelligent, very well-spoken, you're very you're you're very Christian. You 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 believe in in, in, in the Lord. Why the hell do you listen to us? Because uh, I, I like I like hearing lots of different opinions. I'm not one of these people who's going to go like I said, sit in my corner and not let anything affect. I want I want to hear different opinions. You know, I'm I don't I don't watch news. I get my I try to. Having a broadcasting degree, I have I always vet my sources. So when I see something on the news, I go look up three or four different sources from each side of the opinion so that I can form my own opinion. Because once again, I don't check my brain at the door and I'm not an idiot. You know, uh, just because uh, the political narrative says this or the church says the political narrative is this. No, I don't. I go look and learn for myself. So I like what you guys have to say because it's refreshing. Uh, it's honest. I mean, I, I, I like honest, opinionated people who share what they have to say. Maybe I can learn something from it. Um, and it's also fun. And, hey, the internet's voice is pretty hot, too. So I'm just going to say that right there. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate that. And uh, we actually had a conversation just so people know the background of how this interview came to be. We were talking in Facebook Messenger and when you told me that you were a pastor, I was just rapid firing questions and we were talking. And then all of a sudden I'm like, stop, just stop because I want this on, I, I want this on the airwaves. I want people to hear this. And I was sitting there and I'm talking and nerded afterwards. I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, this is exactly what I want. This is what I want. And here we are. And I really do want you to come back on the show. And I want to do like a regular correspondence thing. I mean, like not every week, obviously, because, you know, people will get tired of it. But this is a topic I feel very passionate about. And I kind of feel like I found my foil now because I'm not religious. But I but I I really do want to become religious one day because I do because because I don't want to think that when I die, the lights just turn off and that's the end. I really like the movie Ghost with Patrick Swayze. I want to be that ghost who just kind of runs around and just sees shit happening. Like, I want to spy on people fucking. I want to see all sorts of weird shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, but you know, at the end of the day, I want you to remember this. It's not about religion. It's about the relationship. Because Christ, God wants the relationship with you. He doesn't care about the religion aspect of it. He cares about the relationship that he has with you and vice versa and you have with him. So, that's the first aspect. I, I don't tell people I'm religious. I, I, I have a relationship with Christ. I'm, I don't, you know, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm struggling with going to church right now. Does that make me not a, a good person? No, it makes me, I'm still believe in everything, but I have that relationship. So there's the difference right there. Don't be religious because religious are the sanctimonious assholes. Have a relationship and do what you can to follow him is, is my suggestion. If you want to start that journey. 
Exactly. I never understood the fact that, like, why do you have to go to a church to to do this? Why can't you just, like, kneel by your bed at night and say a prayer and then be done with it? Why do you have to go to church? Why does this have to happen? Why is that a part of it? Why do you need that sense of community? I do like the fact that church does bring people together. But then again, I don't like the fact that it brings people together because you get too many different ideologies, too many different voices in, in one room, and bad things happen. And it's just, I don't know. I'm just a very a closed off person, I guess. Yeah. Which, I mean, which my wife is too. She's a very introverted, closed off person. She doesn't like people. She doesn't like crowds or whatever. And I'm kind of the opposite. Um, but the whole idea, it's not just, a, it's about the community, about encouraging each other. And it's about the accountability. How are you doing? How you, you know, uh, if you get good people, it's, it's good for, you know, how, how, are you struggling with anything? How can we pray for you? How can we help you? If you go to the hospital, let's pray for you. Let's be there for you. We can provide meals. There's that. There's the, if you get a good church, there's that good aspect of it. It's about the community, the relationship, the, you know, that aspect of it, which is really good. And cause we're not, we weren't created to be, um, we were created to be social um, as, as humans, as, as much as people, even my wife, who's an introvert, she still is social. You know, I mean, she's a very introverted person. I'm talking, you know, super, like, complete opposite of me. You know, I'll talk to anybody and I don't care. Um, she's she's not that person at all. But she still, she wants a relationship. She wants to have friends. She wants that. It's just not going to be as wide as my group. We're going to have differences. And so um, that's the aspect of it. But once again, church people make it sucky. So you have to find that place that works for you. And um, that's that aspect, that, which is why church is good. But, you know, it, it can be bad, too. So I'm not I'm not disagreeing. There is a lot more we could definitely talk about, but we will save that for another day, my friend. We've gone about an hour and a half now talking about religion. And my God, it feels like five minutes have passed. And that's what I, I like know. about this podcast. I know, yeah. Oh, by the way, don't, I, I do have to give you a better than bellow introduction for you in the nerdette so i'm going to do that for you right now if you're ready oh my goodness please do it okay all right because i've been working on this all day oh i'm ready let's do it because you know <laughs> bella likes to talk about how he's he's these great introductions but you have someone who has you know experience with all this so here we go all right ladies and gentlemen allow me to present to you from south kakalaki from the way of new york Ladies and gentlemen, the nerd and the nerdettes. I love it. Dude, that's really freaking good, man. Unbelievable. Now, before we close here, I always ask people, do you have anything you want to plug or promote? Do you got your social media? Anything you want people to find you at? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, Facebook is just my name. Uh, from there, you can, um, if you're interested in learning more about the nonprofit I work at, it's uh, called Freedom House. We are an agency in Parker County, Texas, that helps victims of abuse. Um, so sexual assault, domestic violence, family violence. Um, we, we can help people, free counseling, free everything. We're completely nonprofit. So if they want to go look and, and donate there, um, I run the teen program called Crossroads. There's, uh, there's a separate Facebook page for that. And so um, there's links to our, our actual website that you can go and donate um, online for that if you want to or send old school check in the mail. Um, and then I'm on Twitter. 
as uh, J Reezy Men thing with Instagram. Uh, and but but my handle is the the Dad Bod God uh, on Twitter. So uh, uh-huh. yeah, because you know I don't care anymore. Uh, Forty one and yeah. So you know what you want you want to complain? I'm I'm comfortable with where I'm at. I I just leg press nine hundred and ninety pounds the other day, so I think I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> we'll brag. Uh, so, uh, so those are, that's my social. So, but, uh, really, uh, you know, just kind of see what we're doing. I know we're, we're kind of regionalized, but hopefully maybe that gets your message out. Um, we like to share, um, about, um, all kinds of things with everybody. So maybe you're in South Carolina and, and, you know, you see something about abuse, maybe there's a shelter and an agency in your area that you can give to locally, um, because of what you've seen through what we, we promote. So, well, unbelievable guest unbelievable conversation this is one of my favorite conversations i've had yet so far and um yeah like you definitely have to come back one again because there's so much ground that i haven't even covered yet with you i have you know like three or four pages of notes we haven't even gone through yet but we have another interview to do tonight and you know what this is the life of podcasting my friend i mean you have to come back you have to promise us right now you're going to come back oh i'm i'm just it'll just be whatever you say Hey, let's do this. I'm like, all right, let's let's make our schedules work. So, you know, oh. as long as it's not Monday or Thursday, I'm good for you. For sure, my friend. Thank you, Mr. John Enright. We're going to post all of his links in the description of this podcast. This thing will be posted up tonight. Thank you cool. very much, sir. It's been a hell of a conversation. I appreciate you. you. Yeah. Hey, um, I just want on audio record. Am I now your favorite person outside of Big Ray? Am I? Am I over? Have I superseded Big Ray as your favorite person? You know what? Sherry has a T-shirt, so I don't know, man. Until you buy a T-shirt, you're going to be okay. number two behind her. All right. Well, you know, I get that. <laughs> I mean, you know, nonprofits, you know, 25 grand a year. I don't have a lot of, you know, money to spend. But, you know, if I ever get something, I'll, I'll buy a shirt. But until then, non-shirt buying, as long as I'm better than Big Ray. Oh, yeah, better. definitely. Definitely better than Big Ray. Definitely All right. better than All right, buddy. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Right. John and right, ladies and gentlemen. Support from the Voices of Misery podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas, listen up. Hey, untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself to get the shave in this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. This is a story I haven't told before. Okay, now I'm saying that because you guys have heard the story quite a few times, but I feel like it's necessary. So Nerdette's dead. He loves his head shaved as close as mine is, right? I used to buy myself a uh, couple of uh, pairs of, of uh, blades that you would, electronic shavers, if you will. And they were by Wall, W-A-H-L, which suck. So basically what I would do is I would shave my head, and then I would use a smaller shaver to get a, a nice closer shave. So what happened one day was we're hanging out here at the uh, Voices of Misery podcast household and her dad calls and he's like, hey, nerd, I need my head shaved as close as yours, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm shaving my pubes and I'm like, you know what? This gave me a nice close shave. How about I use this on his head? So I packed it up, went to his house and I shaved his head with the same shaver I used on my balls. That is a big no-no because that's disgusting. Why the hell would you shave your head with the same shaver you used on your balls? And that's why this revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. 
Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so this trimmer will not nick or snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. Knock out two birds with one stone. The lawnmower 2.0 comes inside the perfect package 2.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's fucking nasty. Just ask the nerd that's dead. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and moisturizer. We already put deodorant in our armpits. Why are we not using deodorant on the smelliest part of our body? And yes, our balls stink. Please do not be delusional. Your balls smell like shit. Speaking of sweaty and stinky balls, I'm thankful for the Crop Reviver. The product, along with the Crop Reserver, keeps our balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And they smell good. Their manly sense attractive will help set the mood if you know what I mean. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that will keep your junk, your junk feeling fresh all day. And guess what? It'll also make your junk look bigger. So that's a double positive. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers, uh, high performance and anti-chafing boxer briefs. And guess what? I got another song for you. Tis the season to Manscaped. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the gifts of all. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code misery at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code misery at manscaped.com. Yes, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code misery. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. All right, motherfuckers. That's another commercial for Manscaped from the Voices of Misery. We love their product and we love you too. Now back on with the show. 